Welcome to the York County Economic Alliance podcast, produced in partnership with BizNews PA. I'm Joel Berg, editor and founder of BizNews PA. The subject of this episode is equity and workforce development. Our guests are Pedro A. Rivera II, president of Thaddeus Stevens College of Technology in Lancaster, and a former state secretary of education. Brian Paterniti, director of workforce development at the Manufacturers Association, and Miranda Martz, the pre-apprenticeship coordinator of the Manufacturing Applied Technologies Program at the Manufacturers Association. We will get to questions of equity and diversity, but first, let's tackle one of the biggest questions manufacturers might be asking. Do you, do you think well, we will get to a point where we're not talking about a shortage of, of skilled workers? That's our hope, yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. I mean, we're working <laughs> towards, but but I would I would I don't think so. I mean, when you think about you know just kind of you know the stats that I shared today. I mean, you know, twenty point seven job opportunities for every one graduate. I mean, there, there's a lot of room for growth in there. But one of the other things we're also finding, which is kind of what was just alluded to, was. Um, you know, the, the evolution of, of the workplace, right? So by the time you, you think you nailed something and you, we, we figured it out, it, it evolved. I mean, you just think of the auto industry, you know, uh, where one, you know, we've been training folks from, you know, years, you know, under, you know well, 50, 60 years to work on a combustible engine. And now we have to teach them how to work on hybrid models and how to work on electrical and the skill sets needed to move from an old combustible engine to, um, you know, to be a tech on an electric car. Totally different. And, and that's just going to be the evolution of the workforce. Yeah, my mechanics talk about that all the time. Electric <laughs> cars are going to be an issue for them. Uh, yeah. Brian, how do you see it evolving? Or have you ever seen it changing? One of the best stats that I think, along with what Pedro was just saying, is 117,000 people throughout the region that we have in manufacturing. Less than 23,000 are diverse. Right. So according to other similar sizes, we are 50% less than the national average. I don't, we have an untapped talent pool that we're not working with. So until we work with that talent pool and make sure that we're providing this equity and this diversity to everyone, it's, it's not going to change. We have to be better. And the manufacturers have to be open to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how much of it is a technical skill issue, as you were pointing out, and how much of it is a cultural issue with the manufacturing industry itself? And yes, they're out there, obviously, are changing their technology, changing their processes as they need to, but how quickly are they changing their cultures to kind of match what maybe might make them more appealing to a more diverse group? So I keep hearing about English as a second language, but what about us learning Spanish as a, you know, I think it's a manager's job to understand that that language barrier and those problems that we see but we keep saying english as a second language english we need to we need to change too we need to evolve mm-hmm. but i also think like from the women aspect and like i said being a woman in manufacturing and um just the the exposure and being and seeing how it's growing um and how they're willing that they're hurting for people you know and it is a market for people and um getting them into they they will do whatever they need to get you in there they're hurting 
Um, and they are trying to cater to people. Um, as far as we were talking about what the daycare aspect of things and some companies are doing that, you know, I think Wolfgang was in one of those companies that we were talking to and we're trying to compile a list, but we are, we're working with a lot of different groups in the areas, um, to try and get them work on this problem. There's a lot of people noticing the problem and we're trying to solve it and come up with solutions. Producer, you mentioned some of the things that you work with employers about. Are you seeing what are you seeing them keep up with the culture, or at least adapt the culture? We're seeing them receptive to um, to learning. Um, keeping up is, is difficult. I mean, when you when you think about you know, as, as Brian was sharing, just just multiculturalism in the workplace. There, there was a place if you you know came to you know Central Pennsylvania and you came you know to the western part of the state. You kind of immerse yourself in the culture, right? So there, you know, there, there are a lot of the the older school employers is like, well, just immerse yourself like everyone. They go to the to the VFW, go to this place, go to the fair, and go. But but we live in in a in a in a global environment anymore. I mean, if if you're a, Spanish, a native Spanish speaker, you you know, there used to be a time you go home and you only saw English television. But now you have access to Spanish television. You have access to you know to you know to to a global community that is no longer going to allow you to immerse yourself, and so. Employers need to need to understand that um, one employees have options. Mm-hmm. Second, you know we're living in, in a new global economy in a global you know community global environment that folks have, have options, and you know the same thing we're learning even around um, you know g- gender options. I mean when you think of um, you know females in the workplace. I mean I've mentioned the, the restroom um, one, but it's it's not just about that. It's about what language are you using on the plant floor, right? It's about how heavy some things are. I mean, if we looked at some job descriptions that must be must be able to lift 75 pounds. I'm like, really? Like, who is able to kind of lift 75 pounds? Like, could you make it 25 and just start to work on your packaging, right? And, and you have a better option. And, you know, as, as you know, Maritza shared and we shared with, um, you know, with others, I mean, our, our, our women in the manufacturing majors, they're the top of their class. I mean, they're graduating at the top of their class, and sometimes it's like a nuance that's keeping that's keeping them from being um, being recruited. Miranda. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, when I started, I wanted to be an auto mechanic. Um, I wanted to work on cars. That was my family thing. But when I went into high school, I was definitely pushed towards home economics. Um, you know, when I was in high school, I was graduating in 2007. So that I means not too far back, but <laughs> um, <laughs> it, it, it was a different world then. It really was. Um, I mean, we are evolving, but I was pushed towards home economics. It, I was pushed towards a four-year college. I was told, like, I need to do this. And, and what I wanted to do wasn't exactly what I was catered to do. Um, but now, like the high schools now, they have these CTE programs and they have these great, amazing shops inside of their schools and that sort of thing. So the exposure and getting them exposed and, and seeing and representing like women in manufacturing, having these groups that I didn't even know existed, um, go and talk to these younger generations. I think that's that's where we need to we need to impact these kids in some way. Um, and like I said, when I go around and I talk to these kids and I travel, because when I go do these pre-present, uh, presentations for the pre-apprenticeship, seeing them not even know what manufacturing is, that's disappointing. Um, so that's what we're trying to do is just trying to get exposure. Um, and literally over the past couple years of the pre-apprenticeship, I've seen more and more women, more and more diverse kids. 
um, we're getting into Hershey, which is like the picture of diversity um, at Hershey and, and helping the underserved kids and that underserved com- those underserved communities and making a program free and, and other programs like that, the reentry program, making that free, you know, being able to see different communities and being exposed to different communities, I think is part of the answer. What role do you see for parents in all this? Because as you say, the guidance counselors maybe are, are evolving towards, hey, let's there are other options besides college and home economics. Um, do you see parents getting that message as well? Or Brian? That's, that's one of the top barriers as parents that we face, that there's a stigma mm-hmm. that it's old and dirty and hot, and it's not necessarily that way anymore. I mean, yes, a foundry, you go to a foundry, it's going to be hot. But manufacturers across the region, to meet standards of ISO, they have to be clean. They have to be. You could go to the Harley-Davidson plant and eat on the floor if you wanted to. It is really that clean. It's that mm-hmm. nice. So there is a there is a change. I think we're starting to see the change to drive kids to the two-year schools and to the, the apprenticeships and the pre-apprenticeships. And the parents are one of... Not necessarily the barriers of that, but they're one of the, we have to work with the parents better and get that message out. Yeah, they're definitely a hurdle. Um, you know, one of the suggestions um, that I had gotten actually from a school was like, why don't you include parents in some of your programming just to see? Or, you know, when we do the tours, we have a kickoff celebration for all the counties for their classes. Why don't we include the parents in that? And I think that's a great idea. I mean, we used to have Dutch Days in Hanover, which was, you know, an age ago maybe, but where manufacturers would open up their door to people and be like, look, this is what we do. We're in your community. We're here. Like, we need you. We want to be part of, of your community. And, you know, manufacturing, everybody touches something that was manufactured. Everything is manufactured. And I think people don't understand what's in their own backyard, um, you know, and including the parents. So yeah, I, I think what, what both uh, Brandon and Brian um, hit on is, is extremely important. One, exposing them to, to what, um, you, know, uh, you know, 21st century next generation manufacturing is. Because, you know, we, when you think about it, so, you know, this generation of parents, you know, grew up either watching television, reading books, watching movies, where manufacturing was described as, as a foundry, almost like everybody was just kind of going in and it was sweaty and dirty. And um, and, and now when we bring them through, um, you know, when we bring them through labs where they go into, you know, uh, electrical mechanical lab, which is kind of like, um, you know, uh, robotics. I mean, you know, those, those, those folks are wearing lab jackets right they're wearing lab coats so you look at you know the the next gen um you know auto technician i mean they're you know they're in khakis and you know and and a button-down shirt i mean and, and just to see that evolution but also the skills that are needed to be successful in those areas i mean you know students also have to better understand as well as families i mean we you know we have students and, and you know fortunately for us they, they may come in saying i never liked math class and yet, when we look, you know, when we teach them some of the skills in, in those labs, like, this is calculus. You've just never tried applied math before in the past. And so it's even them not choosing majors because they say, I've always hated math. So, well, there's a difference between, you know, conceptual math and, and uh, you know, and then the application, of, you know, of math and the same with sciences, right? When you go into an HVAC lab, it's like, you know, you got to know chemistry and you have to know, um, you know, you have to know kind of, you know, components of energy. If not, you'll blow yourself up um you know it's probably you don't want to do that and, and so but but they're they're able to learn because of the practical application of those concepts is what makes a difference and but you have to expose parents so that they can support their kids even if it's just to make that decision 
um, earlier on. And so the work that they're doing, exposing them in high school is really, really important. I think, I think the money aspect as well, being able to get, so, you know, money talks, especially to parents and getting their kids to an apprenticeship program. And then their worried, parents are worried about college and paying for college and, you know, having them having and explaining to them what an apprenticeship is. Maybe they've never even heard of an apprenticeship program or know what a journey person, or a journey worker is or a tool and die maker. But, you know, they don't have to pay for their schooling. Their their company pays for their schooling. They get paid while they're going to school. You know, they get a raise uh, review every six months um, being in a program, being in um, an apprenticeship program. So, like, you get really good money and a degree while you're working. So it's, you know, there's that aspect as well as, and that makes it kind of attractive as well as the money aspect and being able to, yes, work, get skills while you're being paid. Yeah, that's, and parents want to see their kids exactly. succeed and be happy. Yeah. Yeah. And move out of the house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we, we joke in our presentation. So, so when we surveyed our, uh, our graduating class, 40% of our students bought their first house within five years. And, and so we kind of put out there, we tell, we joke with the parents and say, look, you can get rid of your kid in five years. <laughs> you know, get out of your basement in five years if he picks one of these majors and, and you see their eyes perk up. It's like, not, they'll still come home and do laundry and eat, but, you know, at least they have their own place to go back to. You've got to add in there how many of them have grandchildren in five years. <laughs> that's right, that's right. They can support, they can support children, their own children. That's true. Um, <laughs> so I want to turn a little bit. We have a new governor coming in uh, in Pennsylvania, and I'm curious, you know, you obviously work in state governments, and I'm sure you work around state government. So what would you like to see the Shapiro administration, Shapiro administration do in this area of workforce development and in terms of equity in workforce development? What can they do maybe more or better or different than what the Wolf administration has done, which it's been a priority for them too. So. I don't personally think anyone necessarily is like, oh, we can't help fund manufacturing, right? Manufacturing is the economic driver of the region. Governor Wolf, <clears throat> I don't get into politics, but Governor Wolf, did an amazing job with the PA Smart Grants. You look at the PA Smart Grants, and a lot of the funding that we received from those PA Smart Grants, we apply for those. It's a challenge grant, we apply, we receive them. They have been instrumental in providing some of the equipment that we use with our students, providing the school to work program. Miranda wouldn't be sitting here without the PA Smart School to Work program. So that's, we cannot thank the state and Governor Wolf enough and the administration. If we can keep those going and even expand on them, that would be amazing for us. Mm -hmm. So I, I was very excited to see that happen because I, I believe that Governor Shapiro will keep that going. Mm -hmm. I, I see that being a staple as we move forward. So. Yeah, ditto. I mean, the, the school to work grant, that's the whole reason I'm here. I'm sure we, we're a nonprofit, so we work off of those grants. Um, and I'm sure other area um, companies and area uh educational facilities and that sort of thing they also work on grants so that's something that needs to be integral and, and i hope it just keeps going um i had a little bit of a, a you know a front seat to, to kind of see the evolution um but you know it was really interesting i mean when, when you think about education and, and you know i think far too often historically education had always been seen in this silo right it's kind of like education and then the workforce is a bucket um, and, you know, I think because of uh, Governor Wolf's background, you know, April Captain's being here, he used to host teachers. And, and I remember some of our first meetings, like, I always had teachers um, in my plant just so they can kind of see what we do and what we need. 
And we took that vision, you know, we had the Teacher in the Workplace, where we offered the grants for Teacher in the Workplace, the, the PA Smart um, grants, um, the What's So Core, the Manufacturing grants, um, uh, the Labor and Industry, you know, Educational grants, all came from that premise of having someone who used to invite education in the workplace. So that kind of evolved from there, right? So it's like education can't be in a silo, the workforce can't be in a silo, you know, with, with the workforce, entering the workforce is the culmination of all that your education. And so that started. I, I think what what'll be interesting and, and great to see with a with a with a governor's um you know Shapiro is that he has um all of his talking points have been around workforce. I mean he's kind of said workforce preparation, workforce alignment, workforce strategies. And and so don't know if it'll be a continuation, but he definitely noticed there was something there. Um and, and I think um you know there's an opportunity to just take this work to the next level. All right. <clears throat> Well, thank you. Maybe one last question um, for employers. Again, what if you could tell employers to do one thing to help diversify their workforce and diversify their pipelines for talent, um, what would that one thing be? And Miranda, we'll start with you. If I could talk to the, to the workforce, it's just listen to your employees. Listen to their needs. Be open and receptive. Um, you know, people will stay where they're needed, where they're supported. Um, so that, especially being a woman in manufacturing, if there wasn't a problem, we wouldn't be talking about it. Um, so there is a problem. So being able to talk and have an open discussion and being open to ideas and, and new ways of doing things and, you know, evolving um, in that matter is, is important. And I hope that it happens. Yeah, more. Brian? I think manufacturers have to take a, don't be mad at me when you hear this, but a really... <laughs> tough look in the mirror and say, you know, we were a lot of the reason that this has happened. We didn't look at this population or these other populations. We haven't been recruiting from there. We haven't met the needs of certain uh, individuals, certain people. And it's our job to fix that as manufacturers. So speaking on behalf of the 400 manufacturing companies that we work with, if I had to give them one piece of advice, it would be to be more open and inclusive to everyone that you know, needs an opportunity because there's a lot of people we're missing out. It's interesting. We hear, you hear about that a lot in most, in a lot of other industries, law, accounting, you know, professional type industries, um, retail to certain extent, but you don't really hear it as much in manufacturing as maybe as I guess we will be. Hopefully. Um, Pedro, how about you? Yeah, I think there's, there's been this, um, there's this, this evolution of industry, right? Where, um, you know, the beginning of the, the industrial revolution, um, you know, industry was focused on people. You know, that's how we built towns and we built cities and we took care of people. We built stores and, and so industry kind of owned that and they took care of their, their workers and they took care and, and attracted and yet really loyal, um, you know, workforce at that time. And then uh, priorities kind of shifted. Then it was about making as much money as you can, right, the, to the loyalty to the shareholder, right, um, at the expense of. And, you know, what we have to really start to consider again is we, we, you know, we have to continue to shift to that loyalty to the workforce because, you know, this generation of, of uh, you know, of workers, these students are graduating now, they're going to have 10 careers over their lifetime. Like, they're, they're, they don't have to stay static to, towards, you know, one pathway. They can do almost whatever they want. They, they can learn more. They can learn faster. They have access, you know, to information and technology faster than we ever had. If we want to keep them, we we have to shift that thinking again, and we need to, you know, as as um, as industry leaders and um, you know as as producers, 
Um, we need to go back to a time where we're focusing on the workforce and, and building community um, that they feel included and part of. And it may not be building houses for them, you know, but it, but it definitely is going to be building a space you know, where they're safe and, and invited and, and feel like they can contribute. You know, even in our hardest trades, right? We, you have students who are going in traditional trades and they're choosing an employer because of their workforce, workforce values. Right. So we have a carpenter saying, you know what, I really like the family values of this, of, you know, of this, uh, you know, construction firm. Like, it, it, it can go anywhere. Right. But he yeah. but he's picking a, he's picking an employer because of their values as much as he's picking them for how much they're going to pay and, and what the tools associated are. And um, that's going to continue to get more and more um, profound. Even in trades where you can take that carpentry skill, the presumption is you can take that carpentry skill and use it anywhere. Anywhere. Right? And, but, and they want to work. Um, they want to work with a place where, where that, that they know they, they're cared about um, and, and they're part of a community. All right. Well, thank you all very much. I appreciate thank you. it. Pleasure. I enjoyed Pleasure. It. Thank you for joining us on this final 2022 edition of the York County Economic Alliance podcast produced in partnership with Biz News PA. Join us next year as we tackle a new slate of topics.